Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I always thank you for coming in ready to worship. Praise team, thank you so much for what you do and how you serve and how hard you guys work just to be prepared um, and have your hearts to where they need to be to worship yourselves. Um, I know it's not easy when you play and when you look out um, to just think about worship yourself, but we appreciate it so much. Um, got a little bit of a warm-up for you. I engage your minds a little bit for where we're going to be going today. So we got a little bit of a Christmas pop quiz. Everybody ready? All right. Uh, I guess got to be honest with you. If you fail this, uh, nobody's going to hold you back. Uh, we're still going to let you leave today and eat lunch. Um, if you get 100 on this, also... There's no prizes. I, I, I just I, I didn't bring any candy or anything like that. There is no gold star. But if you get 100, I think you leave what we all need to leave with, which is just as a sense of accomplishment and just pure domination in a competitive event, okay? All right, so um, this is how it's going to go. Um, um, just to yourself, I'm gonna, I want to wait till it's, it's done playing. It won't be real long. Wait till it's done playing. And what you're going for here is, is, is what movie... Does this come from? You got to recognize the voice, okay? You got to hear the voice. You got to know the movie, okay? Bonus points if you know who it came from by name, right? Because one of them, I, I, I'm sure I can't, I can't answer. I'm, I'm, I'm positive. Are you ready? All right, Matt, you ready? This is number one. Here it goes. Are right, you got it? All right. So what's the movie? Try on Christmas, and who said it? Charbonne. Yeah, you're geniuses. Now, some of y'all are like, I, I didn't get it. Like, I don't know who that is. You need friends. That's Charlie Brown Christmas. Like, that should be, like, that's not a spiritual commitment in your life. That's just, did you grow up around electricity? I mean, that's like, that made it to everybody. That wasn't a streaming thing. Like, that, they came and found you with that one every year. You ready? All right, here's, here's the second one. Going back a little farther. You ready? Go ahead. All right, now, Freeze, don't answer yet. Don't answer yet. I would like to know who is the youngest person in this room that thinks that they know the answer to that. If you think you're the youngest one that knows the answer. Caden, you know it? What is it? You don't know it. Okay. Sorry to me to just call you out like that. Your dad was like, answer it, son. <laughs> Sorry. All right, all right. What is, what's the movie? It's a, wonderful life. it's a Wonderful Life. Does anybody remember the daughter's name? Zuzu? That can't be her name. Like, Zulu? Hulu. That's the subscription you get online. Suzu? I don't even think you know. I bet it's Susie. And y'all are just making this stuff up. Zoo? Somebody watches A Wonderful Life when it's not even Christmas, I think, is what's going on here. Shannon, you have to stay the next service to be able to answer that again because I'm still pretty sure that I didn't say it right, whatever Shushu's name is. All right, so this is, all right, so here's the last one. This is, this is not necessarily what I would call a Christmas classic, but I bet you more people have seen it um, just off of just a guilty Netflix moment than anything else. Okay, you ready? All right, here it is. All right, what's the movie? Ernest Saves Christmas. Now, who in here honestly has seen that? Like, you'll admit it. I've seen it. 
Thank you very much. And then most of the people have seen it, they're like, absolutely, right? That's, what's that done? Yeah, so that was, um, we, we know that was Ernest. We don't really know who Vern is at all. So the point of all that insanity um, is this. We're going to be in, uh, we're, we're still talking about this week, the hope that we needed. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10. Um, to be quite frank with you, um, probably for just, well, for sure, because of just organizational purposes, and they probably didn't know how to divide it another way, um, there probably should have never been a division between where we were last week and where we're going to be this week. Because it, if you read it, remember, it's not just about chronological events. John is painting the, the portrait in a non-time-driven way of Jesus. So you go literally from, from chapter 9 straight into chapter 10. There's no connecting bridge. There's no, this is a different meaning. This is, this is one big continuous message here. If you were here or you weren't here last week, just to connect to this point, Jesus healed a man that was born blind. Much of the significance there was, was, this, was a, um, this was a physical sign, a tangible sign, that Jesus could change our condition that was there from birth. In other words, um, where um, we're born in sin, Jesus and what he was here to do on earth could reach all the way back to just b- before our time even and say, I can do a work with your entire sin nature, not just a couple bad things you've done. So we, he- we take a-, a blind man, we see a blind man, born blind, his short testimony was what? All I know is, I once was blind, now I see. That comma in the middle, that division in the middle, was the acknowledgement of what Jesus did. We talked about just that very short, effective testimony last week, how you can share just the uh, incredible story from your life. Um, Before Christ or um, earlier in my walk, um, this is what it was like. This is what Jesus did in the middle, and then since then, moving forward. Um, It shows people, um, it gives credit to Jesus for doing the work, and it shows people real change. It, they may not see it in you, but it may be more about your thoughts, what you used to think of yourself, the truth of what, who Jesus says about you, and then now these, these are the thoughts that I'm anchoring my life into. It, it can be just a battle of the mind. There's plenty of people who need to know what a real change of the mind looks like. So coming out of this, we see, we see from this sign someone that was blind getting their sight. And Jesus ends the chapter talking about um, people that were blind to their own sin. Uh, they, they, they wouldn't even acknowledge all that they had done wrong. He's going to go straight into this thing about now hearing, and specifically hearing his voice. Now, it's, it's almost interesting to me, well, it is interesting to me, why he, why he does this as a second step. And as I thought about this, as I kept reading it and studying it, I, I really think that I, I, I know why. Or I believe I have a good reason why. So many times we want to we want to see the sign. We want to we want to see the answer. But what was it that happened in this blind beggar's life before he could see? He heard. He heard the words and the command of Jesus, and then he acted on it. Then he could see. And I think one of the missing connections in our lives spiritually is we want to jump straight to. God, show me. And if we jump straight to that, sometimes I think we probably don't even realize we'll probably misunderstand it because 
First, what we need as believers is to have heard from God, to hear what he's saying to us, to know his truth. So then when we see something, we can compare it to the words of God, the truth of God, so then we know better what to do, how to live for him. I mean, so many times, we just, we just want to see it. We want to know the answer. We want to see the outcome. But there is this critical, critical step first to hearing from him. Now, in John chapter 10, Jesus is going to talk very much about what it is to hear from him. Now, before we start this, I do want to clarify something. Because of how you're going to hear Jesus talk, I want to tell you what he's not talking about and what he is talking about. Number one, he's not talking about um, the whole journey of the Christian life specifically. Because he's going to say some things here about what happens when someone hears his voice and what doesn't happen when someone hears his voice. He'll even say the effect of um, those, that, those that know my voice will follow me. And it almost sounds so certain where you go, hang on a second, well, what if I stumbled in my walk? What if I, what if I took a detour in my Christian life for a while? He's not specifically talking about the whole Christian journey here. Much of what he's talking about is still connected into chapter 9, which is real gospel change, salvation, knowing and beginning and being certain in the relationship that you have with God. Because Jesus talks sheep language. The entire Bible talks sheep language. And, and simply put, um, a, one, of the, one of the shepherd's jobs was when a sheep wandered, even though that sheep knew his voice, but it was just going after its instincts. It was reacting out of fear or it was going for a desire. When that sheep went one way and wouldn't stop doing it, the shepherd would then go and, and bring the sheep over. If it went again, if it persisted, the shepherd... In love, it sounds cruel, but in love, you've probably heard this, would even if they had to, break the sheep's leg, then bandage the sheep, and then they would carry it over their shoulders mostly. They would carry the sheep until the sheep was healed and could walk on its own. So understand, the spiritual principle is that when God has to do difficult, rough work on us, his purpose is to draw us as close to him as he can while he does that work so that we know him better and we're comforted by him more so when it's time for us to be able to walk on our own again a little bit better, then he can set us down, having spent very intimate, close time with us. Now, we can look at that and say, ah, that sounds mean. But Jesus used the example of a shepherd and sheep because he knew that if something drastic didn't happen in the sheep's life, Sheep was going to die. It couldn't defend itself. Uh, there was no de there's no defense mechanism in a sheep. Uh, there's no fighting ability. Uh, there's no aggressiveness many times. So he knew that it was a matter of life or death. So when Jesus does certain things in our lives, sometimes it's a matter of life and death. And, and he doesn't want death in our lives. So I want to start reading um, here in, in verse 1, which really is, just a continuation. Remember, he's talking about um, being spiritually blind and not really being able to see your own life and see what's really going on, see the truth. Now he says this, Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, um, by, I'm sorry, does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, um, climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him 
because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Now, when he talks about um, people that really aren't true shepherds, he's aiming it at these Pharisees that we just left in chapter 9. He's saying, look, the people that I'm talking to, these are people that God loves. These are people that God has called his own. And, and, and you snuck in a different way. You didn't come in with the right humility. You didn't come in with the right attitude. And you didn't come in with the right purpose. And he just calls them out for what they are. He says, you're thieves. You're robbers. You, you want to take something from them. You want something selfishly for your own self. And you're not really here for them. And he's, he's laying this, this foundational example so everybody in their culture would have understood what sheep were like, what good shepherds were like, um, what, what they did. And he's trying to really lay this groundwork to talk about what does it mean to really enter into a relationship with Jesus. And he throws some really great truths out there. Like, we can know the voice of God. Now, some of us in different points of our walk with Christ, we struggle with, God, am I really hearing you the right way? Like, is this really you speaking? I'm not saying that, you, that, that, that you're wrong if you struggled. I've struggled greatly wondering, God, is this really what you're leading me to right now? But bottom line, the essential truth is we can know and detect and discern and understand the voice of God when we're saved because God's spirit is in us. Now, the greater truth is the more we, the more we hear him, the better we can discern it. It's, it's, a, it's a practicing thing. It also says in here, Jesus says that, that, that I'll go ahead of you, I'll lead you. So if you arrive, if you arrive somewhere that God is taking you, he's already there. He beats you there every time. He beats me there every time. And that's one of the great things. Because, because most of the time, when, it, when, it's, when it's Jesus' voice really saying, I need you to go here or I need you to do this, uh, it, it could just be change in our lives. Change is scary, Right? Um, going somewhere new is frightening. There's a lot of stuff like that that freaks us out. Hard conversations, hard decisions. But if you knew when you walked into that conversation that Jesus was already going to be standing there, what kind of confidence would that give you? Tons if I could say, all right, Jesus, talk for me. But he's going to speak through me instead of talk for me. And he's going to do the same thing for you. So some really great foundational truths in this passage that Jesus wants us to understand because he's, he, he's really trying to connect just this general understanding really of what's going on to specifically what he's going to do. Now, verse 7, he picks back up. Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am. Now, there's, there's a series of I am statements in John that, that hopefully you're picking up as we go through. This is, this is two consecutive I am statements. You probably already predict he's going to say, I am the good shepherd. But he's also saying that I am the door. Okay, I am the gate for the sheep. In the first six verses we read, he was referring to his father God as the one that sends him, as the one that watches the gate. But he, Jesus, is the gate himself. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have the life and have it in abundance. Now, that is a very popular voice. Verse, this idea that we can live an abundant life. But, but let's, let's consider for a second, before we get to abundant life, what is Jesus saying? He says, all right, 
First of all, very simply, he's telling this to all the Pharisees. He's telling this to everybody in the crowd. This is consistently the gospel message that Jesus Christ, John 14, 6, is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to God except through him. He is the gate that we get to God by. Anyone that claims a different method, a different way, a back door, second option, anything to be able to be in a good relationship with God is not accurate according to what Jesus says. And if we believe Jesus to be the Savior of the world, then he has to have said everything true because if he says one thing, even a little bit inaccurate, he carries sin and then he can no longer die for our sin. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, he's saying, nobody comes in except through me, through the work that I'm going to do. Now, I want to step into this idea of abundant life for a second. Before I do that, I want to make sure you heard this. When he says, I'm the gate, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. This is his kind of tangible description of this abundant life. Number one, when we enter by Jesus into salvation, and we have, we, as the Bible says, we believe in him and we confess him as Lord. He is the Lord of our life. We, we, we believe in everything about him. When we enter that relationship with God, we are what the Bible calls saved. Saved from an eternity separate from God. Saved from our sinful nature that just controls all of our decisions. And we have this new voice inside of us that is the Holy Spirit of God leading us to this life now that Jesus is, is, is walking ahead of us all. So we are, a founda- in a foundational way, safe. Jesus has already said in the book of John that, that no one takes his own out of the Father's hand. That Jesus began... Our salvation in his work, he fulfills it, but he also keeps it. A lot of people struggle with this idea of, of how do you, what, what do you think about somebody? Um, are they saved? Are they not based on what you've seen from their life? As a pastor, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, it, it's, it's never my job to convince you that you are saved. I believe that it is my job on Sunday mornings to talk to you like you are. Because that's presenting the voice of God. And if you're saved, the voice of God calls you. There's many times in my life where I have lived in private ways and in public ways an image that looks very um, very separate from God. And in those times, God has called me into conviction of what I was doing, how I was living, and to turn my life back to Him. In my life, I see that conviction, I see that voice of God as, at times, evidence that I that I do, in fact, belong to him. Um, it is very difficult when you are talking to people and you, you, you see things in, in people's lives and see decisions and you wonder, are they saved? I can tell you this, from the truth of Scripture, if someone is saved, if they belong to God, if there's someone that, that, that Jesus has redeemed, then they are absolutely and always and to the end of time and after, because it's through eternity, they are saved. I would love to be able to tell you that you'll always, with every relationship you have, be able to just to take somebody and put them in your mind, think about them, and just know. Much of what we do is we, we, we're, we're fruit detectors. We're looking at people's lives and saying, is there, is there evidence? But I want to I tell you something. We have to be careful as believers that we don't, try to do God's work. we got to make sure that we're always trusting Him. 
We can't worry too much or too little about somebody's soul. We have to trust God in what he's doing, but faithfully when we have an opportunity to love them, to witness to them, to share with them. So what's the abundant life look like in this passage? Not just that we're safe, but as he says, that the sheep can, can go out and come in, and, and, and they can move around, they can find food, they can find water, that, that they can have some, some freedom to roam. You know, what, you know what that really shows? Peace. Sheep are the most nervous animals on the planet, probably. They freak out over everything. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you think back, if you've ever heard um, Psalm 23, God has to make sheep lie down because if they don't lay down, they can't digest their food properly. It's not just about feeding them. He, he, he says that he, that he makes them lie down because they, they won't be able to digest and get the nourishment that they need. They're so nervous, they'll just keep moving and, and just wreck their own digestive system. They get freaked out by just water that makes noise. So it, when it says that, 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 that God leads them to still waters, he, he, would, he would find this place where water had run across rocks and been purified, but then a shepherd would dam it up so it would collect, and it would be still enough for them to be able to drink because he, he knew they needed, he needed water, but they also needed clean water. He had this masterful plan of how he watched after them, but he did it knowing their personality. And in this passage, Jesus says, if you belong to me, What's the abundant look, life look like? It's this, it's this peace that I want to give you to go out and to come in. Because I, I'll be honest with you, what, uh, if, 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 you, if, you, if you just get more money, what is it? More money, more problems. You, you still have to pay for what you start buying. More relationships, not always more blessing, right? Higher job responsibilities for more money, higher job responsibilities. Lower job responsibilities for more relaxation, mm, lower pay. It's, it's these directions in life that we go to think, you know, well, well, what's this abundant life? What, what, what will it look like when life's just good? No matter what economics you live in, no matter what culture you live in, no matter what your background is, it, it is all the same for all of us. An abundant life is full of peace, right? To just wake up and just trust God that he's in control. To know that the biggest problem you face is not the biggest problem because that problem's been settled in your soul. Because you can always find a comparison of someone that has it better or worse than you do. This abundant life is characterized by peace. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them, I'm sorry, did I, I skipped verse 11, didn't I? I'm sorry, Matt, let me, let me, let me jump back up to verse 11. Um, this is where he starts the conversation with, I am the good shepherd. Um, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away. And when he sees a wolf coming, the wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. He, this is what he says. He said, you want to know what people that don't own you and don't, and don't sacrifice for you, do you want to know how they handle you and how they treat you? He's like, you let, you let a problem start, you let danger come in, and they are gone. Like, you ever been in that moment where somebody just, they just, they bolted on the situation you were dealing with? 
I had, um, I, before I went into ministry, I, I worked for a flooring company. And, and there was a, um, when I say there was a difficult situation, it was difficult not just on, bu- on a business level, but on a personal level one day. And, and there was a secretary that, that was there and was responsible for handling it. And, and it was all going to just, I mean, it was all going to just crash and hit the floor, we knew, at about 5 o'clock. 4.45, with the owner out of town, she walks into my office and says, Sorry, I got to leave early. Bye. What? You're, you're kidding me. She bolts right out the door. And, I mean, it's literally sitting in my hands because she laid a file in my hands. And I'm going, I, this is not even my responsibility, but now I have to deal with this. Sometimes that happens in relationships. Sometimes that happens in a lot of places. Let me, let me say something to you this morning. Because I, I've learned this to be true, and I think you would probably echo this in agreement. When we give the authority to someone, we, and we actually do, when we give authority to someone to have oversight over us, or to protect us, or to comfort us, when we give them that authority, and they're not Jesus, that's a dangerous thing. One of the greatest truths that I've heard in my marriage is when my wife has told me, it's not your job to make me happy. It's my job to find joy in the Lord. Now, as a husband, man, that hurts, right? Like, because I, I, like, I want to be the guy that makes you happy. And it's actually one of the greatest gifts that my wife has ever given me to not carry that pressure. When we give the responsibility of our care, our comfort, and our protection to someone that's not Jesus, and we really rely for, on that person for that, we are walking in dangerous steps. Very dangerous steps. We have to let, as saved people, Jesus do his work. We have to let him do his job. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Just a few things from this passage before I transition us into something else real quick. Um, this is probably the most missional, um, this is, well, not probably, this is the most missional passage in the book of John, where Jesus is telling a bunch of people who felt like they were the only ones that belonged to God, when he looks at them and says, I have sheep that are not in this pen, and I've got to go get them. What he's telling is this, that God the Father knows those that are going to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in advance of their agreement with the gospel, God already calls them his own. And he's, he's sending people. And it's an amazing thing. When, 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 the, when, the great, when great missional movements on this planet really were at their strongest, it was when the most gifted people on the planet were the ones that were actually going and getting people for Christ. Not finding their gifts used the best in industry and in science and in mathematics. 
It was the brightest minds that were pursuing Jesus and pursuing others. Because Jesus says right here, that's the mission. Matthew says, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. Right here, Jesus says, they're out there, and I'm going to go get them. And remember, what did we talk about um, in the last couple of weeks? He uses means, us, to do his work. And that's good. Now, here's the other thing that I really wanted to make sure that you take from this. When Jesus says he has the right to lay down his life, um, and the right to take it up again. He said, this is the command that my, fa- that my father gives me. Um, Jesus, had he just died, had he just died, would have been a shepherd that um, laid his life down for the sheep, but in death left his sheep exposed. But because Jesus came back to life and then put his spirit in us as believers... He has not left us without a shepherd for protection, for overwatch, for all those things. That he made the ultimate sacrifice for our safety, but then gives us the abundant life of peace in living with him, living in him, and him living through us to live throughout eternity. Jesus said, I I have the right to do this because I received this from God. When God commands something, when when he tells you to do something, sometimes I think we wonder, can I do it? And, and we're looking at it totally wrong. When it's the truth of God and he tells us, tells us you need to do this. Like, this is what it means to live for me. We, it's not can we do it. It's we have the right to do it. I have the right to live free from sin. I have the right to, to, to go and preach the gospel if that's what God calls me to do. We, you have that right to do that. Because he's sending you. And he's using you. And you are the means of his kingdom. And in this book, this message... Is, is not just how we enter the kingdom of God. It's not just about that we hear his voice and then he shows us his kingdom. It, it, it is that in salvation, but it stays consistent. It stays consistent with that, I have found, throughout the rest of my journey with Jesus. When, when I want to know the answer to something that's in front of me, and I just try to see it and try to figure it out, it stays in this blurry picture. But if I ever will just stop and just listen to God's voice. I don't just know what he's saying. I have his, his voice, his truth, to compare what I think my reality is to. And I know if it matches or not. And that's what we're called to do as we continue to live our life out as believers. Now, um, in a very real way, um, and I'm going to ask Dale to go ahead and come up here if you don't mind, sir. Um, in a very real way, um, like, I, I don't even know how to, how to explain this. Dale's going to share something with us um, right now. And as I even woke up this morning, it has just blown my mind. Because he's going to share kind of a continuation of a conversation, not just that he's, we've had together, but he's had with God. And, and it, is, it has just blown my mind this morning that um, we, we're talking um, on this Sunday about this passage um, and how God's voice leads us, um, how we then can see what he's doing, and as that continues to take shape, we know it and we can be firm in it because of his voice. Um, and it's just, it, God just works so consistently um, that I think it's worth celebrating and it's worth sharing real examples of it. Um, so, I, so Dale's going to share some stuff with us this morning, and, and I think you're going to see how God um, calls us to this and how he connects some amazing dots in his plan in our life. Okay? 
you'll listen to do. Even so amazing that even while Derek was preaching, God was also revealing that to me. Um, I, I wasn't, you know, going to throw out the whole Psalms 23 and the, the sheep who um, have to be made to lay down. Because anytime a sheep is outside of, of a pen, um, inside the gate, you know, they have no, they're just not comfortable. So they're just going to be alert and on their feet because they're ready to move. But um, um, as... I go, I've been through ministry um, as a youth pastor. Um, I've, I've talked on many different subjects all through the Bible. And one of my favorite series I ever did was actually called I Am. Um, Derek pointed out that there was a couple um, instances in today's scripture where Jesus says, I am. Um, and there's, there's many times throughout John where he, he says, I am this. And then it finishes up, I am. I am the I am. But uh, my favorite one was I am the gatekeeper. And for some people, you may connect better with, with one or the other. But for me, especially right now in my life, it's, it's the gatekeeper. Um, because as, as I, I, I studied in this series, I studied a lot through Scripture, but also a lot through shepherding and sheep, their characteristics, their habits, and, and how shepherds, shepherd their flocks um and as a gatekeeper it was it was oftentimes where, where these shepherds would actually lie down in the entryway to the flock instead of there being a door they actually laid there and they would sleep there at night sometimes just to keep the sheep safe knowing that they're there i mean that he's there they're going to feel safe and also when 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 a wolf or coyote comes and they see human they're they're going to run but when, when the, the, the shepherd is, is ready to stand up and let them go, they know that they have the freedom to go. But sometimes the sheep still stay in there because they know that they're safe. They know they're in a comfortable place, and they, they don't want to venture out. And that's, that's where it comes in also into the part where you make them um, lie down in green pastures beside still waters. When it, when, it, when, it's, when it looks comfortable and it looks safe, you know, it can be appealing to us to want to go out and venture out. But for me in my life, um, I, I've, I've struggled, um, I guess, almost the past year, really. Um, at the first of the year, um, Derek and myself, we, you know, we, we did planning for the next year. And, um, and even we voted on, as a church, you know, we're going to hire somebody, come, somebody to come in here and, and take over, um, do some youth, I mean, uh, children's ministry, and, and just to help us out. Because two people, it, it, it kind of gets overwhelming sometimes. Uh, and there's a lot of, of buckets you're carrying around in different um, areas of ministry in the church. Um, but uh, as, it's, as it's all lined up, um, I, I've, I've come to a place and, and about... I don't know, four or five months ago where I, I, I sat down with the, the elders and, and Derek and, and uh, I told him, I said, I feel like God may be telling me that my time in youth ministry is done. Um, they, they said, okay, well, we want to pray for you. Um, we want to send you away. You know, in, in scripture many times, Jesus went away to the wilderness to, to just be with God and, and, and Moses went away and it was their time where they, they really just, no distractions dug in. And they, they sent me to the wilderness. I went to the mountains of, of North Carolina for a few days. And it was peace and quiet, no TVs, no radios. 
Um, sometimes no cell phone signal. And uh, as, as I've shared with the church before, anxiety is a big part of my life. So when I don't have that connection of escape, um, it can kind of bear down on me. But being in the wilderness, um, I had my, my, my focus on something that was much greater than, than anything that my body cannot handle. Um, I was there and I came back and, and God had confirmed to me while I was there that um, um, it was ready for, it was time for me to, to step away from youth. Um, it was hard for me because I've done it for 12 years and it's, it's, it was comfortable to me. I was inside the pen, I was doing this and, and, and God was saying, okay, it's time for you to, to go out to, to do something else. And, and I, I, I was just, I was scared. I don't know what that next, that next step looks like. But as, as Derek just got through saying, we just have to go. We have to be there. We have to, to know it because he already knows what that is. And if we take the step and follow him, then that's when we're going to see what he's got in store for us. Um, this, this, it's not me leaving the church. Um, this, is, this is home. Um, I've told Derek this. I love working with Derek. Um, I think our, our relationship right now is the strongest it's ever been. Um, I love uh, him as a person, as, as my pastor, as a friend. Um, he's a great role model as a, as a, as a, as a pastor in, in ministry and also as a, a father and a husband. Um, so I, I, I'm here. I love all the students, each, each of you guys. I'm not stepping out of youth ministry because um, I don't like you. I promise you that. I'm, <laughs> I'm stepping out of youth ministry because... Because I love you. The, the realest moment that I had in making this decision was asking myself, would I want me to be my daughter's youth pastor? Because it, it won't be long and they'll be, they'll be up there. Not Dale as their father, but Dale as a, as a youth pastor. And I said, absolutely not. Because I can't put 100% into youth ministry on top of everything else that, that I, I get to partake in, in the, being participating in the church and the ministry ventures that are just everywhere surrounding us. And these students deserve somebody who can come in and just pour into their life 100% and always be there for them. So I'm not making a selfish decision. My selfish decision would have been to stay comfortable and, and halfway do youth ministry. But that's not what God's called me to do. And it's not what these kids need in their life. They need somebody who's going to be there for them and pour into their life. So I want you all to know I love you. And I do appreciate your prayers and, and appreciate prayers as, as transition. This doesn't mean that I'm just going to stop doing youth ministry. Because um, I, I do love these kids, and I'm going to pour into their hearts alongside my other leaders, um, Brian and Jenny, April and Doug, Marshall, Nick, um, everybody who's just who's there around me. You know, we're going to team up, and we're going to still pour into their hearts, into their lives, and be there for them through their struggles and, and, until God leads somebody in here to come in and, uh, and just uh, be with us through a transition. Because we're not going to walk out on, on our students um, or their, their families. Because we do love them here. Um, there's a, a, a basically kind of three things that I want to touch on um, just real briefly. Number one, what I hope you heard from, from what Dale shared was something you can apply to your life. Um, 
when he began this, he was talking about what he was sensing from God. Um, but one of the questions I asked Dale, um, because uh, I appreciate, um, you, if you had a thunder in there, I was thin, then I really would have thought you was lying about me. But um, I am, I am, I'm frustrating to work with. So the fact that Dale loves me speaks to just the graciousness of his spirit. Um, and, and, and I know um, I just get really bogged down and busy, and I get, I get tunnel vision real bad. Um, and, and I know the, the schedule that Dale keeps and a lot of it. And one of the questions I asked Dale um, through this when he, when he began to really bring this up was, I said, do you feel like you have an opportunity? And um, really, because there are times in life that there is significant answers that you want to see from the Lord. Do you feel like right now your schedule, everything just as it lays, allows for you to really hear God speak? And just very genuinely, he said, no. And so I want to thank Dale for taking the time to really be able to step into an environment where he could really hear from the Lord on this. Because as I, as I studied this passage, um, what I saw in Dale's life was, was the confidence that he walked in, knowing what the Lord was taking him towards, began to be so much more real after he heard from the Lord. What he was seeing was so much clearer after he heard. And I really hope that you took that in today because whatever, wherever place you're at in life, whatever decision you could come to right now over whatever, you're going to need to hear from the Lord. You're going to need to change some things potentially about your schedule to really make sure you're hearing from him. You're going to have to really take, like Dale did, not just time in prayer, but time in his word and saying, okay, put all this together. And God, is this part of your consistent message? Because his, his, his tendencies, his patterns don't change. And, and this is applicable for your life and mine, not just his. Now, as I heard this, I heard it out of two sets of ears. One set was, was pastoral ears. Because I know that I have responsibilities to him as I serve with Dale. And I, and I love serving with him. And I'll be quite honest with you. Um, one of the things, um, just on that subject, that, that Satan wanted to say, hey, let's have some fear in your spirit, Derek, is, well, would this mean that, God, you take Dale away from this church? And then at the same time, I heard God's voice speak, you know, do you want the best thing for his family? But then when he said, I'm staying at the church, I was like, I don't care whose voice it is, I'm good now, right? And, and, and I don't say that joking because sincerely I do. I love to serve with Dale and I, and I love the gifts that God has given him because we do get to take, honestly, so much advantage for them here. But we're not in the, in the business of using someone for their gifts. Our whole Christ-centered body here needs to be anchored in. Where does God want you? Where does God want you? Where does God want me? And then love each other enough to, to see him go there. I also heard it out of parent ears. I've got two kids in youth, 10th grader and a 6th grader. And from a parent's perspective, I want to tell you what it means. We, we've already been talking about it, and it's uh, January 12th. We're going to have a meeting with all parents, uh, not just to answer questions, but to lay out some calendars, some dates. It means that we're going to do youth activities. We're going to do youth every week. And, and quite honestly, as a parent, not much is going to change for me because until we have someone that's, that's in that place, youth is going to look like youth looked last Wednesday. And we've got some incredible youth leaders who have prayed over Dale already, who love the Lord, and who are ready to do youth ministry. And I know this about Dale. He doesn't quit. And I have two sons in there. And I know that there will be a day in the coming future that we'll hire someone to do youth ministry. We want the right person, not the quick one. Because the average stay in youth ministry is about less than a twelfth of what Dale's put in. And I trust this about him. I can put my two sons in youth 
And I'm not worried about what's going to go on during this transition. Not a bit. But I do want us to take a chance while we're sharing, while Dale was able to share this and pray for him. Because I want to pray for him and his ministry. Because I can tell you, I, when I left youth ministry, I mean like functionally as a job, I also moved away from that same church. As Dell stays here, I don't want this feeling of displacement to creep in. I want him to see in real tangible ways how God has him doing what he's doing at that time. And Dale knows, and I know, that all those seeing answers for everything that will fill his time, and he has tons to do no matter what. We're, lo we're looking to listen for the Lord before we just jump in and try to see what we see. Right? Um, I'm excited. I'll be quite frank. I'm excited that Dale and I still get to serve together and we're going to continue on. But I also know that as God has grown our church, that we've got to go through some transitions too. And I'm excited about what those are. And I hope, I hope, I hope, and I pray that you don't leave here hearing that story as, well, something different is going to happen at church. I hope you hear, you know what? I need to stop right now and hear from the Lord on what I've been trying to see so I can get that same kind of direction and know what God has for my life. So if you don't mind, if you'll stand up to your feet real quick, because we've also got blessing bags to do today, because we're not, again, like Dale said, with youth, we're not taking the foot off the gas, and we're not taking off of the gas of being missional, so we're getting ready to do our blessing bags. Dale, if you and Amber wouldn't mind coming down here for just a second, um, and then if, if you don't mind, whether if you've had some kids or have some kids in youth, um, especially um, some of you that have either worked with Dale um, or you've had kids around him, if you don't mind just coming down here real quick because we want to pray for Dale right now specifically um, through this time of transition for um, just God's continued faithfulness um, being worked out in his life. But also, uh, we also want to take time to pray for our church for the wisdom um, because our priority is every age group living for Jesus. And we know the decisions that our students are going to make. Um, this is a critical age. So we are tasked now as a church to pray together as God leads us into um, hiring someone that I believe he's, he's, he's held it because he was already working in Dale's life and he gave Dale an opportunity to hear so he could see and then we were given the opportunity to hear so we can see. So as a church, we want to do that. We want to listen for God's voice now so we can see. God, thank you so much for the blessing of what you showed us in your word. Um, thank you for um, what Dale has shared on his heart. God, thank you for the faithfulness that you've given him and will continue to give him as he serves and ministers to students. Um, God, I thank you because I know that this has not been something he, he decided last night. So, I've, God, I've been blessed to see his life over the last few months. God, to see his continual faithfulness day by day by day and how he prepares and, and works and serves and loves. And, God, I thank you for just showing that off, God, so that we all can walk in the peace and the comfort of knowing that we can not only pray for him, but we can expect great things out of him. So, Lord, as you lead him, God, I pray that you task him and you burden him with the exact thing that he should have his, his time and energies on. As he leads our, our congregation in worship, as he, as he works on things at the church, I pray that you gift his hands and you raise him up into a place of honor. Lord, not that he will be seen, but because he shines Christ's light through him, that you will be seen, God, ultimately. Lord, lead us as a church. Let us hear from you for, for what we need to see. So when we see who takes this place, who fills this position, who continues in the ministry of the gospel in our students' lives. Lord, that we will not be waiting and wondering, but we'll be moving ahead in confidence. Lord, thank you for how you speak in our lives and how we can take a real example and your word this morning and go leave here knowing, God, that we can have clarity in our lives. God, over everything, Lord, help us to not settle for anything less. Because God, as Jesus says, he had the right to lay down his life, and he had the right to take it up because, God, you commanded it. 
Lord, when you tell us that we can come to you, we can bring our burdens, we can bring our questions, we can bring our whys, you will reveal yourself to us. Lord, help us to know we walk in the right to see you revealed in our lives as believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.